0: I can invite you to remain standing for our scripture reading, which comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. All the tax collectors and sinners were gathered around Jesus to listen to him. The Pharisees and legal experts were grumbling, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus told them this parable. Suppose someone among you had 100 sheep and lost one of them. Wouldn't he leave the other 99 in the pasture and search for the lost one until he finds it? And when he finds it, He is thrilled and places it on his shoulders. When he arrives home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Celebrate with me because I've found my lost sheep. In the same way, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who changes both heart and life than over ninety-nine righteous people who have no need to change their hearts and lives. Or what woman, if she owns ten silver coins and loses one of them, won't light a lamp and sweep the house? searching her home carefully until she finds it. When she finds it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Celebrate with me, because i found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, joy breaks out in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who changes both heart and life. Jesus said, A certain man had two sons. The younger son said to the father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. Then the father divided his estate between them. Soon afterward, the younger son gathered everything together and took a trip to a land far away. There he wasted his wealth through extravagant living. When he had used up his resources, a severe food shortage arose in that country, and he began to be in need. He hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the field to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from what the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food, but I'm starving to death? I will get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Take me on as one of your hired hands. So he got up and went to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion. His father ran to him, hugged him and kissed him. Then his son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quickly put out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Fetch the fattened calf and slaughter it. We must celebrate with feasting because this son of mine was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. Coming in from the field, he approached the house and heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what was going on. The servant replied, your brother has arrived and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he received his son back safe and sound. Then the older son was furious and didn't want to enter in, but the father came out and begged him. He answered his father, Look, I've served you all these years, and I never disobeyed your instruction, yet you've never given me as much as a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours returned after gobbling up your estate on prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Then his father said, Son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He is a lost and now is found. This is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. This morning we're going to continue our sermon series through the season of Lent as we listen to Jesus on His journey from the region around the Sea of Galilee and as He has set His face toward Jerusalem. Last week, if you'll remember, we looked at Luke chapter 11 where Jesus goes into the home of a Pharisee to share in a meal. And as they sat and shared in this meal, Jesus challenged the Pharisees and the legal experts to consider their actions and the way that they were practicing their faith. His concern or his belief or what he saw was that their inward actions or their inward heart was not aligning with the way that they were presenting themselves outwardly to those that saw them. His concern was that their inward thoughts were not aligning with their outward action. And so you may remember in Luke 11, in our scripture last week, Jesus listed a series of woes, W-O-E-S, not woe like stopping a horse. And then after the legal expert pointed out, that's one of my favorite verses. Okay, so Jesus lists, um, I don't know about favorite, but it makes me laugh. Um, So the, the Pharisees, Jesus, woe to you Pharisees, woe to you Pharisees, woe to you Pharisees. You know, so three woes. And then the legal expert says, Well, you know, those offend us too. And then Jesus like, oh good, I have three woes for you all as well. Like, was he asking for it? I don't get it, but I do. All right, so Jesus, what his purpose in this discussion with them, as we saw last week and as we've talked about it, is what he's trying to do is goose them. To get them off the pedestals that they have placed themselves on. To get them out of whatever frame of mind that they had found themselves in. In order to get them to think about their faith and what they were doing and how they were living. And to think about the ways that their practice of faith was not necessarily aligning with the way that they were teaching to others on how they should live out their faith. So this morning's scripture is a little bit different. We're reading from Luke chapter 15. And the setting is a table, but the setting is a different table. Instead of being hosted in the home of a Pharisee, Jesus is in the home of a tax collector or a sinner. In this tax collector's home, he's gathered and there are another a number of other tax collectors as well. We know from Scripture that whenever tax collectors are referenced, uh, they were often called sinners in addition to their, their, um, their job as tax collector. And this was due to default because they raised funds for the Romans, they raised funds for the Herods and whoever was in power, and often their job caused them to become or to be put in frequent contact with those who were considered unclean. And so in this morning, scripture, in Luke 15, we read a trilogy of parables that are all related to each other. They're parables that he taught and preached to the tax collectors, to those that were gathered there for the meal. And instead of woes, he lifts up three different stories. Three different situations where Jesus is dealing with something that is lost. A lost sheep, a lost coin and then a lost son. In each of these parables, something that was lost, we read and we find, is found. In each of these parables, Jesus provides us a different example while providing the same teaching to those who are listening. Because his purpose in this was to get them to consider how they too were welcomed into the kingdom of God. Even the tax collectors, even the Pharisees, even the legal experts, and as we see time and time again in the Gospels, even when Jesus called to sinners and invited them to something greater than they were currently experiencing in their life. So, to look deeper into this morning's scripture, we're going to spend more time probably in the parable of, the, of the, the, the lost or the prodigal son. If you think about it, this is probably one of the most well-known parables that Jesus has taught. It's one that goes beyond the Christian church and out into the secular world. You know, People talk about the prodigal returning, and they may have not have ever set foot in the church, but they still use that, that big figure of speech. And perhaps what has made this parable so well-known... Is that anyone who listens to it as you read it, depending on the day, depending on your mood, depending on where you're at in your relationship with others, you can find yourself in this story. And where you find yourself in this story today may differ from how you find yourself in this story tomorrow. Or it may differ from how you saw yourself in this story yesterday, Huh? Because it's one of those that we can easily shift from being an oldest son, from being a youngest son, or even from being a father or a parent who's looking at their children and how they're relating to each other and to the world. We all have the potential to hear the words in this story and to ask ourselves the question, where am I in this story? Or maybe to ask ourselves, who do I identify with? I want to begin with the beginning of this parable. And I think this is one of the, the sentences that we kind of jump over. Because it begins in the very first verse, it says, Jesus starts the story by saying there's a father who had two sons. In contemporary culture, I think we often focus on the younger son. In fact, that's you know, where we use this figure of speech. The prodigals returned or whatever. But in Jesus telling the story, his focus is not on the two sons. His focus is on the father, isn't it? Because he says, there was a father who had two sons. Not the younger, not the older. I know we often look at it, you know, in terms of of both. But Jesus wants us to think about the father. And he begins by telling us this interaction between the younger son and the father. The younger son has decided he's going to be off on his own. He demands his portion of the inheritance. In the time of Jesus, you know, it was customary, as it is in all time, that your inheritance is not shared until you're no longer here. And so custom in those times is the younger son would have received about a third, and then the older son would have received two-thirds of their father's assets. And so it's just as unusual then as it is today for the younger son to demand his share before his father died. His demand would have involved dividing land, dividing crops, dividing harvest, dividing livestock, dividing servants, dividing possessions, dividing anything else that you can list. But that also would have meant that if the land was divided and then the younger son went to liquidate his assets, it also would have meant that the father would have watched as his son sold a portion of land that butted up to theirs, maybe to someone that, you know, they don't know or they don't want to be neighbors with or whatever. Because the younger son was doing all of these things without a consideration to the future. He was looking to the present without any other idea of what was going to happen. So I want to pause in the middle of this story and invite you first to think about the crowd as they're listening to this story. Friends, this parable may be the only parable where Jesus had the Pharisee and the tax collector thinking the same thing. Every one of them would have been outraged at the younger son dishonoring and disrespecting his father by demanding his inheritance at this point wouldn't they now the reason might have been different the pharisee might have been looking at it from from the viewpoint is is of honoring your father and mother and and from the biblical sense you know the the respecting your elder and and keeping everything together because in in ancient israel you know the land was passed on by family and so it was dishonorable to sell the land outside of your family The tax collectors would have been outraged in a whole different way. They all would have been outraged at the idea of the younger son taking everything he owns and then leaving. I think both groups, Pharisee or tax collector, would have been sitting and listening to Jesus' words and wondering where is he going next. For the younger son, what came next was him, wasn't it? Luke writes that he left, he goes to a faraway land, he engages in wild living, he lived off of that which had been built and collected and nurtured and cherished and tended for generations. And as he did so, he only focused on himself, didn't he? And in that sin of only looking at himself, he didn't consider the needs of others. He didn't consider the needs of what might happen down the road. He didn't look ahead to to what is going to happen tomorrow. And he didn't look back and learn from his living and from his mistakes and what all that had gone on. He's worried about one thing. He's worried about himself. And he's worried about what he's experiencing and what he's receiving right now. Now, isn't that how sin works? Because sin causes you and I to elevate our own needs, our own positions, our own wants, our own desires above anything and anyone else. Sin causes us to stop looking at the long-term effect or decisions of what we are doing, to not look at what I'm deciding today and how it might affect me tomorrow or five or ten years down the road. Sin tells us, to focus on your, our needs, on your needs for today without thinking of anything else because sin puts you at the center of your mind and the center of your world. And it causes us to look more and more inward as we stop considering the needs of others, the consequences of our actions, and the costs that may have to be paid for years to come. That's the younger son in this place, isn't it? He's living for himself with no thought given to where the money came from or how long it was going to last. He didn't consider the consequences until he ran out of money. To make matters worse, a famine descends on the land and he's feeding pigs for someone else and he's desperate. He has no food, no money, no potential. He is looking at the slop that is being fed to the pigs and he's starting to think it looks good. And then he begins to think about returning home. Even if that meant returning as a servant. Well, here's where I think that the tax collectors and the Pharisees began to read this story, listen to this story, and I think their, their opinions of it started to divide. Because I think this is where the Pharisees and the legal experts are reading it, and they're going, oh, here it comes. The younger son's about to get it. And that's the sinners and the tax collectors in this story. Jesus is about to lay down a line and they're going to be embarrassed. And so I'm sure they're reading this portion of the story and they're seeing the younger son hitting rock bottom. He's in a, a pigsty. He's you know, among the pigs. He's in the worst place that you can imagine, especially in the Jewish faith. And the Pharisees are getting ready, but here's what they don't know and what we have to be reminded They didn't know Jesus and they didn't know the grace that God was pouring into this world through his son Jesus. They didn't know that the rock bottom for Jesus or for God is just another starting point for our lives and for our faith. It's not the end. And so, hitting rock bottom, if we think about it, is the beginning. In this story and in other stories and in situations of, of friends and others that we know that, that maybe hit that place where, where they felt like hope was, was fleeting or, or they felt like the only place that they could look to was up to God because that is the time where we are jarred awake and we begin to pay attention to, to what we're uh, doing, to what we're missing, to what we're overlooking. And so for the younger son, that was to make the decision to risk it all on the grace of his father. Because when you're at rock bottom, doesn't everything look better than starving alone? Even if that means humbly returning to work as a servant in your father's house. Now see, let's put ourselves back into the viewpoint of the Pharisees. Because they were ready for a scolding, weren't they? They were ready for Jesus to lay it down and for the tax collectors and sinners to be put in their place. And so I think they're shocked when they hear Jesus talk about this. For the tax collectors and the sinners, they're listening to this story. And my guess is they started expecting the worst. As they thought, oh, Jesus is about to lay it down on us. But instead, they receive a surprise. Because as the younger son approached home, surely preparing the speech to ask for his father's forgiveness, Jesus says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion. His father ran to him, hugged him, and kissed him. Then his son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. The father said to his servants, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Fetch the fattened calf and slaughter it. We must celebrate with feasting because this son of mine was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and is found. What a great picture of the depth of God's love for us. God, who is your father, who is looking, who is waiting... And who cannot wait to welcome you. God who brings us into his presence when we set aside our sin and when we seek his grace. The younger son came back to God and he said it. He said, I have sinned against you and against God. And the father welcomed him home. And we can't read this parable without considering the welcome of the son by the father, the way that he extends to him this gift of grace. However, the story continues beyond this miraculous gift of grace and then this celebratory feast. Because the story continues and God's grace is still flowing. Because remember, the story is about a father who had two sons. The younger is accounted for, and the older, how does he experience the grace of God? Instead of going into the celebration, the older son refuses to come to the party. He refuses to celebrate the gift of grace that his brother has received. He's offended by the mercy that has been offered to his brother, who he believes has squandered so much, and so he remains outside the party as his father begs him to come inside. Here's where the brothers are the same, isn't it? is not As they both experience the sin of pride. One says to his dad, I don't need you anymore. The other says, you owe me. One wants freedom. The other wants his due. One says, I deserve the chance to leave with what I want. While the other says, I deserve credit for staying put. See, they're both saying the same thing. They're just coming at it from different sides, aren't they? one goes inside to the party but the other stays outside and here's where we really see the picture of grace of a father and two sons is God, he comes out to meet both doesn't he he runs to his younger son who's coming from a distance He sets aside his sin and he welcomes him home with a celebration. He goes out of the party to his other son in order to offer him the same grace that he has given to his younger son who returns home. The father goes out to both. See, at the beginning of this story it says that Jesus told these parables because the Pharisees had begun begun to complain that Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them like old friends. And Jesus answered by telling this story and inviting both the sinners and the Pharisees to come into the party. You know what's fun about this story is Jesus doesn't end it. He doesn't wrap it up neatly. He doesn't clean it up at the end. He leaves it with no resolution and really just an invitation for action for us. Because to the younger brother, he says, come home to a feast. And to the older, he says, come inside and lead the celebration. See, it didn't matter whether you were a Pharisee or whether you were a tax collector in hearing this story. You were in it. It doesn't matter where we are as we listen to this story. Because we also are in it. Because all of us can be surprised by the grace of God that he offers to both sons. For God is a father who had two sons, both that he loved. God is a father who had two sons who both received his grace. And God is a father who comes to each of us. Whether we're standing on the outside not wanting to come to the party. Or whether he invites us in to experience his forgiveness and to experience his grace because God is a father who loves each of us. Amen.